Tonight, God's Word comes to us from the book of Colossians, chapter 3. Colossians, chapter 3. We will begin our reading at verse 15 of this chapter and then read through verse 1 of chapter 4. Our focus tonight on chapter 3, verse 22 and following. Colossians 3, beginning at verse 15. What we hear now is God's word. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ." For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, tonight we come to the end of our series within a series. Uh, We have been looking for the last several weeks together at this portion of Colossians chapter 3 under the heading of Christian conduct. And uh, it has struck me, I hope it has struck you as well, about how practical the Bible is. It does not just give us some abstract theology, theology, but the Bible speaks to how should we live in our various relationships. Remember, once again, the context of this passage is chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Because you know Christ, because of what he has done for you, now live in a particular way. Wives, for you that means submit to your husbands. Husbands, for you that means love your wives. Children, children, God speaks to you in the scriptures. Children, for you that means obey your parents. And fathers, parents, we are to be following God's instruction in the raising of our children. The Bible speaks to us in very real and practical ways. It has perhaps been easy up to this point to uh, make the application from Paul's writing the Colossian church to us today because we are husbands and we are wives and we are parents and we are children. 
Tonight, we deal with his instruction for bond servants and for masters. And uh, it may be a little harder for us to make that application. By the way, just I couldn't help but notice uh, the uh, ESV translates this word as bond servants. That's actually um, um, a bit of an interpretation. Uh, the word is simply slaves. The word is just slaves. So if I, if I say slaves tonight rather than bond servants, that's just because that's what the word is. They are trying to contextualize the word for us. Uh, but it talks about slaves and about masters. Now perhaps the reason that they give us this term, this contextualization, is because when I think of slavery, my mind goes to the deep south and a very oppressive institution, the institution of slavery. Is that the context that Paul is writing in? Is he speaking to that type of context? And I would suggest, no, he is not. Now, there was slavery going on. In fact, there were a lot of slaves. It's estimated that in Rome, approximately one-third to one-half of the population were slaves. And they were doing a variety of jobs. They were not slaves like the uh, uh, Simon Legree type of slavery. Slaves were a class of people. Some of them did very menial jobs. But some worked as doctors. Some worked as teachers. We might call them professionals. Uh, the slavery, the slaves Paul is addressing, are those who worked under the authority of someone else. Those who worked under the authority of someone else. And knowing that, we can certainly apply this text about slaves and masters today. For many of us work under the authority of someone else. Now, we don't call that the slave-master relationship. We call that the employee-employer relationship. So the Bible is still practical to us, even though we are not slaves or we are not masters. It certainly still speaks to us in our, in our relationships today with work. We think of how much time we give to our work, how much time we put in for our labors, and the Bible addresses that as well. I might say, maybe somewhat in passing, that a text like this has been used historically to defend the institution of slavery. In fact, in one of the churches I served, I had some Southern Presbyterians who were members, and they were quite adamant that the Bible is very uh, positive toward slavery. We're not going to really address that issue tonight. Um, I would, again, note someone in passing that slavery is never commanded in the Scriptures. We're never commanded to hold slaves. Slavery is never even really condoned in the Scriptures. It is regulated. I guess is about the most I would say. It is regulated by the Word of God, but never commanded and never condoned. And so we take Paul's instructions regarding slavery and apply them to us today. For those of us who work under authority, and for those of us who are in authority over others. Paul calls them slaves and masters. We call them employers and employees. So what does Paul say? Verse 22. Slaves obey in everything those who are your earthly 
masters. And as they would be reading this letter to the church, I suspect the slaves were somewhat surprised by that instruction. Slaves obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, particularly in light of what Paul had said earlier in this chapter. In chapter 3, verse 11, he says this, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, a barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And I can imagine the slave saying, wow, that's great. There's no longer slave, there's no longer free. We're not slaves anymore. And yet Paul comes to give them instruction, even though they are one in Christ, the authority structures are still in place. And we've seen that in this series so far. Even though we are one in Christ, husbands and wives have different roles from each other. Parents and children have different roles from each other. They're one in Christ, but they have different roles to play in their relationships. And so it is with slaves and masters. Yes, they would be one in Christ. Yes, they would, they would know the glories of what Christ had done for them, but still the command to slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. I suspect the masters were a bit surprised as well. Chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly. And if I was a master, I would say, you know, I can understand Paul telling the slaves, you still have to be slaves. But we're the masters. We can do what we want. We're the ones with the authority. Who are you to speak to us? I think they may have been just as surprised to have this instruction, treat your servants, your slaves, justly and fairly. For you also have a master in heaven. They were the masters. They had the authority, but they still were under authority as well. We're going to turn in just a minute to another book of the Bible, because when the letter to the Colossians was brought to that church, there was another letter brought as well, a letter that dealt particularly with the relationship between a slave, a runaway slave, and his master. And we have that letter in Scripture. It is the book of Philemon. And I would encourage you to turn back in your Bibles just a couple pages to Philemon. That is the book that is just before Hebrews. A very small book only has one chapter, and so we just refer to it by its verse numbers. Philemon, uh, the story of the relationship between a runaway slave and his master. And Paul is writing to the master to Philemon. I'm going to pick up the reading at verse 4 of Philemon. Paul says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of your faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints 
And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you, I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus. Onesimus was the slave. He'd run away from Philemon. I appeal to you for my child, Paul calls him, Onesimus, whose father I have become because of my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you can consider me your partner, receive him, as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. This slave was being sent back to his master. And Paul says, if I mean anything to you, I, the one who brought you the gospel, I, the one through whom you believed, then receive this slave back. Do not treat him harshly, do not treat him brutally, do not kill him, but receive him back as a brother in the Lord. Yes, they were one in Christ, but there was still an authority relationship in play. So Paul sends this slave back to his master. Now their roles both sanctified by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We are those who are sanctified in Christ and called to live in a way that brings glory to him. And so, so Paul instructs us back in Colossians how we are to do our work. And he says in verse 22, Bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Do your work with sincerity of heart. Do it to the best of your ability. 
Now, all jobs have things that are better and that are worse parts of them. And so Paul is saying to those who are under authority, no matter what it is, whether you're doing the fun part of the job or the part you do not enjoy, whatever you are asked to do, do it sincerely. Do it with your whole heart. Those under authority don't get to pick and choose what work they will do. I like this part of my job, I'll do that, but I don't want to do that. They are under authority. Obey your masters in everything. Now, as we saw when we talked about children obeying in everything, the only caveat to that is if our masters, our employers, are asking us to do something that violates the law of God. We may not steal on their behalf. We may not lie. We may not cheat. We may not desecrate the Sabbath day. But everything else we are to do sincerely. And you can almost imagine the slave saying, but if I give myself to my work really, my master's going to take advantage of me. He's going to have me doing all the lousy work. And maybe we feel that way sometimes too. If I truly put myself out at my job, even the things I don't like, I'm going to get stuck doing that for a long time. In many ways, that's beside the point. We don't get to pick and choose. We who are under authority are called to give proper respect and deference to that authority. Bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Masters, too, are instructed. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly. And you can almost imagine the, the master saying, but look, if I actually treated them well, they would run over me. They would start taking advantage. And maybe those of you who are employers feel that way sometimes. Look, if I, if I really gave my employees what they were worth, they would start taking advantage of me. In many ways, that is beside the point. We have different roles to play. And if you are here and if you are an employer, you are called to treat those in your employ justly and fairly. Not trying to take advantage of them, but treating them well as employees. Paul calls us each to our particular roles doing our work sincerely. And he uses these words, not with um, eye service or as people pleasers. Um, maybe some of you have worked with people pleasers, those who give service for eye service. When the boss comes around, they are the hardest working employee in the company, and they are doing everything just right. And the boss walks out the door, and they plop down in the chair, and their feet are up, and they're doing nothing. Maybe you've worked with people like that. Maybe you've been people like that. Paul says, work sincerely. All the time, give your best effort. All the time, do what you are called to do. Work fearing the Lord, he says. Verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And when we get that perspective about our work, it helps us to give ourselves to the work. We're not simply working for our boss. We're not simply working for our employer. We are working for the Lord in the task he has given to us. 
He has given us particular gifts and talents and abilities, and he allows us to use them. Oh, we get paid by the boss, but we're working. We're working for the Lord. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, then that last sentence of verse 24, you are serving the Lord Christ. That's one translation. A better translation is imperative. Serve the Lord Christ! Serve the Lord Christ in your work, in your job, wherever God has called you. Use the talents God has given to you. Serve the Lord Christ because he is ultimately the one whom we are working for. So Paul gives instructions how they are to do their work. And then then Paul links the work in this life and gives them an eternal perspective. Again, from chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. You have a master in heaven. Paul takes their minds off simply the earthly activities and brings their minds heavenward. Employers, we have someone who is our authority in heaven. And how does that, how does that master in heaven treat us? Is he harsh with us? Is he unjust with us? Is he unfair? Is he brutal with us? No, he is loving. He is caring. He's compassionate. He's concerned about us. Those of us who are are in the authority at work need to echo that. Echo God's care for us in how we care for those under our authority. Serve the Lord Christ, Paul says, in light of what Christ has done for you. Since we have been raised with him, We want to seek the things above. Since we know Jesus Christ as our Lord, as our Savior, since we know what he gave up for us, leaving the glories of heaven, coming down to earth, living a a, a harsh life, being rejected by all, and ultimately crucified on a cross, he did that for us. And so when Paul says, serve the Lord Christ, how dare we give him half our effort? He gave up everything. He gave up the glories of heaven. And he continues to call today to all who would embrace him to know the glory of salvation. How can we give such a Savior anything less than our best effort? Serve the Lord Christ because of what he has done for you in your work. Paul says again from 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Now, we're always uncomfortable in Reformed churches talking about reward, the reward that we receive. And we know that with regard to entering into salvation, there's nothing that we offer to God. The the, the salvation is a free gift from God. But the Scriptures also speak about having received that free gift having having, uh, an anticipation of an inheritance, also a gift, that inheritance, that reward, will be based on how we live. Will be based on how we are obedient to the commands God has given to us. The things we do in this life do have eternal consequences. The reward is most certainly a gift of grace, but that reward will be based upon the things that we do. Our work, 
has very practical consequences, not only in this life, but in the life to come. Paul, Paul turns our, our thoughts heavenward and gives us an, an eternal motivation for serving our earthly masters. Yes, as I said, the Bible is, um, is very, very practical. It speaks to all of our relationships. It speaks to husbands and wives, to parents and children. It speaks to us as employees and employers. It speaks to us tomorrow morning when we go back to work. God's Word speaks to that part of your life. Will you go tomorrow simply to punch a time clock? Will you go tomorrow simply to make your quota or whatever it is you do? Or will you go serving the Lord Christ? We read tonight from Psalm 72, and his kingdom is a worldwide kingdom. It is from sea to sea. Christ rules over all. Our work life is not separate from our spiritual life. It is an outworking of our spiritual life. Since you have been raised with Christ, oh, may God help us to apply this portion of his word, this series within a series, to our relationships, knowing that, that our, our sanctification is an ongoing process rooted in what God has done in Christ, our justification. And may God help us to continue in our homes, with our parents, with our children, our husband and wives, and in our work, to work as unto the Lord, to bring glory to him. Christian conduct, following what Christ has done for us. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we do thank you for your holy word, a word that is so practical, a word that speaks to the everyday life that we have, a word that speaks to our vocation, our job. Lord God, help us tomorrow as we return to our work not simply to, to work for men, but help us to serve the Lord Christ. We know that he has given up everything for us. Help us to do our work sincerely, not simply as man-pleasers, but seeking to please you, to fear you, our God. For those of us who serve as employers, help us, O oh God, to be just, to be fair, to be equitable with our employees to have a concern and a love for them. For you, O oh God, our Master in heaven, is certainly concerned and love us. Lord God, apply this portion of your word to our hearts, to our lives, that we might honor you in the work you have called us to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We turn to number 462 in the Psalter hymnal. Number 462. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in endless praise. Take my silver and my gold, that a might with I would hold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose saying, God, use all of us, every part of us, every day of our lives. We're going to sing verses 1 and 2, 1 and 2, and then 4 and 6. Verses 1 and 2, 4 and 6 of 462. Let's stand together as we sing.
receive the parting blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you.